It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number far-to-far of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and joining me, as always, is a woman who's just returned from a convention from a town named after the Spanish word word for a whale's vagina. Hey, Jules, do you get that reference? Absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Oh, come on. It's an Anchorman reference. It's like the funniest thing in the world. They're parked, and he says... San Diego, the Spanish word for a whale's vagina. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, That's where I've returned from, um, I think. (laughs) That explains the smell, she said, grasping for a a wishy comeback. Um, Uh, Yes. yes, Like Jonah, who has hence returned from the whale, so too as Jules. Henceforth (laughs) known as the whale's vagina. Thank you. Um, please put that on my gravestone. I'd be very happy. Um, yes, I am back from <laughs> Wales Vagina Comic Con <laughs> 2015. <laughs> right. And how was your trip, Jules? Was it fantastic? It was a million blasts. One of the best times um, of my life. There you go. Oh, Big so call, cool. low bar. Um, yes. Yeah, no, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, my fe- second trip to Comic-Con, I w- last went in 2010. Um, so I had some experience of uh, what it's like, but it was even better this time. Um, and as big and as crazy as ever, as anyone who's watched even a modicum of the coverage will know. Lots of people, lots of stuff, and a week full of impossible decisions, a sort of nerd Sophie's choice of trying to work out, you know, do I go and see everyone from all the Avengers and X-Men movie on stage at once, or do I go and see something else equally fantastic, which I can't think what it probably was at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, do I spend all night queuing for Star Wars stuff, or do I see 17 other things which instead of queuing all day Or could you have just walked into Kevin Smith panel? Oh, possibly. I actually did just walk into Hall H at one point on the on the Thursday. I'd been um, next to the main convention centre. There's the Bayfront Hilton where they have uh, they use some of the ballrooms there. And I'd been to a Geek and Sundry panel with uh, Felicia Day and Will Wheaton and some of their cohorts from Geek and Sundry. And as my friends and I were walking back, we walked past Hall H. Um, this is mid-afternoon, about 1.30 probably, uh, and there was no queue for Hall H. And I just said, I don't even know what's on. I'm going into Hall H because it could be the only time I get in there all weekend. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get in, um, the place was about two-thirds full, uh, sit down, they're playing movie, just movie trailers in between panels, obviously. Um, um, look up on my, looking up on my phone to see what's on and someone com- comes on stage and says, next up, we have the Doctor Who panel. So, oh, you're um, kidding. Thank God. <laughs> and it wasn't packed? Had, I got the Doctor Who. No, no, not at all. Um, That's weird, isn't it? Look, one of the things about Comic-Con is, yes, you can't ever predict and, and, and how full somewhere's going to be. And one of the things that will be, uh, will influence it is, one, how popular the show is or the movie is that you want to see but also what other popular things are on before or after it so um, Doctor Who was popular but 
there wasn't anything, I can't remember what was on after it, but it wasn't anything particularly popular. So uh, people who'd been to things earlier uh, obviously weren't Doctor Who fans and had left and uh, that whatever was on afterwards didn't have a huge following, if you like. Um, I went to try and go at one point to see the Sensate panel, which uh, was in a reasonably small one of the smaller rooms, you know, that only fits... Now, did that panel start off okay and then just sort of go into the toilet, or is that just the show? Ooh! Well, we'll be talking about that... Foreshadowing for next week. Next week. (laughs) Um, But I turned up probably two hours before the panel, and the queue was uh, down the hall, out out the door, down the stairs, and across the road, literally. And I'm like, wow, who knew Sensate was so popular? That's amazing. Go people! Um, but, of course, they weren't there for that. They were there for uh, Bruce Campbell's panel after Sensate uh, for Ash and the Evil Dead. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, you, those sort of things can happen where uh, you, you're thwarted by what you want to see because something popular is on after it. So, um, But I, I did pretty well all weekend. No really long uh, queuing. Um, probably the longest was three hours on... Uh, three, three and a half hours on Sunday morning for Hall H for Supernatural. But other than that, um, I, I, did, I chose pretty well. Chose oh, wisely. Cool. Um, so now you were there for a week um, and uh, y- your mission was to go there for TV Chinwag to get all the exclusives and the uh, big interviews. And yep. how did that go? Oh, absolutely shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Asked and answered. Uh, yes. So I... What I ended up deciding to do, it, it became clear, uh, and this was my first time going with a press pass, um, that I got I got into a couple of press events, not many, because obviously there's a lot of press there and limited space, and you know, apparently, you know, if you work for a website with letters like IGN or uh, uh, EW, you're more likely to get in than the one for. TVCHINWAG. Um, we just say TV Chinwag. Oh, okay. But if we did spell it out, maybe I'd have more chance of getting into stuff. But also, if I had have gone to some of those press events, um, I would have missed out on about four other things just because of the way schedules and that were. So, my coverage of TV TV Chinwag, and because I'm a a fangirl of the people, was from from the floor, from the middle of uh, uh, Ballroom 20 or 6A or wherever I was, uh, actually going to the panels, uh, watching the previews and um, uh, hearing what was happening that way. So I did the hard yards that way. Hmm. Okay. Well, that still sounds like a lot of fun. It was, and I was, I was, I was very pleased. I got to a very large number of panels. I, my scheduling was uh, was quite good, and that was even given I lost half a day because I ran a cocktail party one night. So now that's um, something I really want to hear about. Can we talk about the Wayward Cocktails Party? That was Thursday night, I think, right? Yes, that's right. So and you and um, someone else. Yes, Heidi Tandy, who I've known since 2007 but never met in person until last week. (laughs) That's wonderful. We decided that, um, you know, Supernatural has become a... um, In case people listening don't know, I'm I'm rather involved in the Supernatural fandom. And... um, I was surprised. And for those who don't know, Supernatural is a television show. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know that and you're listening to this podcast, good on you. Um, 
So there'd never been like a fan event in terms of either a panel or a social event uh, for Supernatural. Um, and because, as you may know, Ryan, from things I've run after um, the Supernatural convention in Vancouver, I am the sort of girl who likes to put on a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Party girl, we call them. Party girl. So I had organised, uh, Heidi and I organised, um, we booked out a bar, the wonderful analogue bar, and had 300 of our closest fan friends um, come along to drink and celebrate Supernatural, uh, get some free swag, uh, and uh, we had the Hindi sisters from the Hollywood show there, who recently did the Supernatural parody. We had a number of people associated with the show who popped in, from Curtis Armstrong to uh, Robbie Thompson, Adam Glass, uh, Jenny Klein, Bob Behrens, uh, ex Oh, former Raj. guest and friend of the show, uh, Bob Behrens? Uh, yes, former guest, friend of the show, podcaster extraordinaire Bob Behrens, the well-regarded uh-huh. Bob Behrens, and also ex-supernatural writer Ben Edlund. Um, ben Edlund, that's a big so get. It was, that it is was a, a big bit, get. Crazy. I know people. You mean ben Edlund, also the writer in Gotham. Uh, ex-writer on Gotham, now writing on the show Powers. Oh, interesting. Isn't that exclusive? That is you heard it first exclusive. here. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, I'll just, uh, we'll, we'll come back to talking about Powers uh, in, in a minute. But yes, no, the, the cocktail, cocktail party was heaps of fun. Um, it, it's a challenge organising an event for 300 people on the other side of the world in a, in, in a city you don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the um, first time you've done it. <laughs> it's not the first time I've done it, but uh, this was this was a bit of a higher bar and challenge, and uh, I think everyone had fun. Um, I sort of had fun. <laughs> no, um, you didn't really have fun? Why? What was wrong? Uh, it was a lot of organising to do. We had some AV issues with, with uh, music and video stuff. Uh, people were queuing an hour before we even opened, and, and lines management took a bit of work um so if we do it again next year i think we 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 learned some stuff but i think uh, i think people had a good time um and that's what comic con's all about it's about getting in there getting your hands dirty and doing stuff as well as going to stuff i think so so who did you get um, to visit with who did you get to chat with um i got to chat with nearly everyone uh, uh i have to say the lovely curtis armstrong who i've never met before uh he's awesome, Tron, he? of course from supernatural uh Turned Isn't up. he a delight? He's, he's an absolute delight. He's also very involved with uh, Sherlock Holmes fandom, and not mm-hmm. just yep. BBC Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock no. Holmes, but all, all forms of, um, of of Holmesian activities. Um, and he was there with a couple of the the wonderful women from the uh, the name of their group. Uh, the the Sherlock uh, the Holmes Society. No, it's, it's got another name. Oh. Sorry, I'm very sorry. I've forgotten. Um, uh, but they ro- also run a big party as well uh, during oh, cool. Comic-Con. Anyway, he was there. He was lovely. Talked to lots of people. Uh, and then, of course, the writers and people were really thrilled uh, because uh, it's a very rare event when you get to meet and speak to writers of any TV show. So Absolutely. Um, and this, these are writers who are, I mean, I know for a fact, they're also a fan of their own work. Like, they, they love the lore. They love the characters. They love... They love to talk about, well, what if this or what if that? 
that or what if we put this yeah, person in this position and you know they have fun just like the, just like the fans do absolutely yeah and they're also at comic con because not because they're contractually obligated but because they're fans so they're all right. at comic con because they're fans of things uh, Robbie Thompson of course also now is writing for Marvel Comics with his comic series Silk so he was doing signings over the weekend and actually on a on a panel uh, Spider-Man verse um, panel over the weekend mm-hmm. um, and Jenny Klein was on a Nerdist Writers panel podcast recording so you know they, a couple of them were, were on things as well Ben Edland of course was signing for the tick as he always does and uh, was on a panel for the um, Powers TV show now I I actually can't remember if we reviewed this or not, but I I did watch it. Yeah, um, we watched. We we reviewed powers. Not didn't power. We? Not power. Remember there was oh, power. Oh, powers. <coughs> and powers. Now, of course, powers is right up my alleyway because of my love of uh, an interest in broadcasting on different platforms. Because <laughs> <laughs> which I got to bore Ben Endland with at length <laughs> because it's. It's brought. It's the first original scripted programming for PlayStation, oh. so it's broadcast through PlayStation. Uh, and when we say original, it is original, but it's actually based on comics. Of course <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. Of course it is. And so, sort of, uh, the idea is set in a world where people have. That, you know, there are lots of people with superheroes around, and there's a, a department in the Chicago um, p- police force um, that uses people with superpowers and also particularly goes after superheroes who have gone off the rails. Um, so really great, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, take on the superhero genre um, and, and the first volume of that, which the first series of... Um, of, of the TV of the TV show, can I call it a TV show? Of the PlayStation show was sort of based on who killed Retro Girl. Now I wasn't sucked into it. I really liked the comic book, and I came excitedly to the TV series. Um, it was okay, but it just really I, I didn't persist with it. So I, mm-hmm. I think I watched two or three episodes. Um, but I th- uh, knowing it's got renewed again and knowing Ben's writing for it, I'll definitely be going back. And it had some great um, uh, great casting in it. It had uh, Ezzy Idard was in it as one of the, um, one of the villains. Um, Michelle Forbes, who people will know from things like uh, True Blood and The Killing, was in mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it, it had, some, had some good talent there. Um, so now there's got a second season. I'm, I'm very excited to go back and watch it, and I'll probably watch anything Ben Edlund ever writes on. Hmm, interesting. So that's our first little snippet of things. Yeah, I, I, I re- vaguely remember us talking about it, but I, I wouldn't have remembered it, and I would have got it confused with power. Because well, there's there powers, think- and then there's power, right? Yes. And then there's powers booth. <laughs> so when you were at the SDCC, did you go by the powers booth? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, just checking. Um, <coughs> although he could have been there. Because uh, everyone's there. That's the amazing thing about Comic-Con is, of course, everyone's there and people... <coughs> I, I didn't accidentally run into any famous people because I have this sort no, of... No, and you never do because they're... But they're also very protected, aren't they? I mean... No, I mean, you do run... Well, it depends who you are. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know... Bruce Campbell wasn't just wandering around the place, and he is one of the 
for some reason the the, the sort of godheads of, at Comic Con. But um, is anyone bit- wandering around the place? Like, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like when you go there, you're not seeing you know Wallace Shawn isn't just walking around doing stuff or. Um, uh, you know, uh, Chris Pine isn't just, oh, snooping on what's on the... I mean, these people are all taken care of backstage and, and the really segregated. Big, certainly the really big names, but yeah. once you get off the, the top of the mountain, yeah, a lot of people are wandering around and doing... Uh, people you who may not be the biggest names, but you might be very excited to see. I, I met Orlando Jones on the floor. Oh, that's true. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and was he just snooping around? or? Uh, he has a comic slash web series type uh, uh, project that he's involved with so he was he was but it was it was out on the floor almost down near artist's alley with, with on a small table so he was just sort of hanging out there so you know you could just go up and say g'day um that, that's pretty Aussie yeah. you didn't say that did you <laughs> well, um, oh, yeah, throw another shrimp on the barbie uh, no, because if you're Australian, you don't call them shrimp, so that's uh-huh. a giveaway. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> prawn just doesn't sound right. Uh, no, well, I'm sorry, but that's what we call No, them. we say prawn um, here, but that's like for the large ones, right? Small ones are shrimp, big ones are prawn. No, yeah. no, the, okay. no, we just don't have, we don't call anything a shrimp. We call them little prawns. <laughs> okay. Um, Seems like but, more work, but okay. Um, I know some people ran into Mark Shepard out on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of How mine... How was Orlando, by the way? Did you land us an interview for TV Chinwag exclusive? Um, I would have loved Sleepy to. Sleepy Hollow interview? But he, well, is he still on Sleepy Hollow? I don't think he is. I don't know. I, I no, stopped watching. No, he's not on Sleepy Hollow anymore. So good thing I didn't mention that. No, um, unfortunately, he was about to leave to go somewhere. So I literally got sort of a minute with him. And that was, I mean, it was all for me. Um, okay. Did he remember you? <laughs> I've never met him. No, but he knows who Super Wiki is. Yes. Uh, we didn't. We the conversation didn't get that far. I was. I wow. was just in. Oh my god! This the is conversation didn't start. Hey, I'm Super Wiki. You probably Sorry? follow me on Twitter. You didn't say that. You didn't say, hey, I'm Super no, Wiki. You oh probably my, follow me. It was. Orlando. Oh my god. I, Oh, oh my God! I can feel the unraveling threads of my homosexuality. You are one hunk of man. That was sort of oh, really? the space. Oh, like I was in. Interesting, oh yeah. really? Oh huh. yeah. Very charismatic and very, very. Whoa! Yes. Oh yes. no, kidding! No, I big, didn't know that. Big presence. Big. Uh, oh, very Big cool. sexy presence. That man. Yes, I was a little all the flutter, um, and, and very lovely uh, in the oh. two and a half minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, I had with him. Um, so you can... Uh, my, my, the favourite story I have is from uh, one of my friends who... Um, uh, there were five of us who shared an apartment for the week. And um, a couple of years ago, she, she goes to Comic-Con every year, uh, she was wandering early one morning. She was wandering around the exhibit floor. And, um, of course, there's cosplay everywhere. And that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the great things. It's like being in this incredible sort of... Uh, parody mashup universe mm-hmm. because you've mm-hmm. got Game of Thrones characters next to Assassin Creed's characters next to superheroes next to Star Wars um, and I just spent a lot of time smiling and enjoying all the wonderfulness of that and um, she saw this Jack Sparrow cosplayer and um, thought you know he's, he's 
very good and saw him a couple of times as she was wandering around and then ended up next to uh, actually standing next to him as he was looking at uh, they were looking at some fan art oh, fan art looking at some art um, uh, that someone had and um, uh, he picked up the, uh, some Jack Sparrow art and, and said to the artist that he thought it was really good and then you know staggered off faux drunkenly Jack Sparrow style and she later found out that was actually Johnny Depp uh, no so way. <laughs> there's no way yeah. in hell he was dressed up as Jack Sparrow walking around yep. Comic Con yep yep that's hilarious yep that's really funny did um, you haven't obviously but um, Kevin Smith did a podcast on Smodcast about and it was his live thing at SDCC. Did you hear anything about his panel? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I I didn't get to it, unfortunately. But uh, what did he have to say? Did you hear what a disaster it was? No, no, I haven't heard anything. So the uh, Star Wars panel, the, the Star. Yeah. One of the things at Comic Con is, um, you know, there are there are four million things going on at once. Oh yeah, So absolutely, you can have yeah. something happening. At Comic Con, and because you're so wrapped up and your days are really long, and, and if you're if you're on the internet, you uh, it's usually texting your friends to say yeah. what queue are you in. Um, that's what I'm doing. This I've been doing the last couple of days is actually catching trying up. To catch up on the things <laughs> I wasn't at. So tell um, me all. So directly before, because he was in Hall H again this year, and he, he does Hall H pretty much every year in the last six years I guess and, and sells out and it's, it's like what six seven thousand people it's a, a, a really thousand. big venue yeah really it's quite yeah. a big venue certainly much bigger than any shows that he does outside of Comic Con um, directly before him was the Star Wars panel at which the end of it J.J. Abrams says okay everybody come with me we're going to go outside and get a free <laughs> Star Wars musical and lightsabers and so everyone did and left so when Kevin Smith came out there was 2,000 people in the audience, maybe 2,500 <laughs> that stuck around. And of course, he's absolutely heartbroken because that's his worst nightmare is walking out there and seeing it that nobody showed up to see him, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, he understood. Like, he would be there too, kind of thing, if, if it wasn't for him being there. Um, but the reason I'm saying this because he, he, it's a really good um, panel that he did, and he talked about how um, he got Johnny Depp to be in his last movie in Tusk. Um, if you remember, the, the police officer, uh, Guy Lapointe, was played by Johnny Depp. I certainly and do, and I still rate that. That was one of my favorite movies last year. So Oh, I still haven't seen it. What a good Kevin Smith fan I am. Um, <coughs> but the scene in that movie with the two girls in the convenience store. Yep, yep. That's Kevin Smith's daughter, and that's Johnny yes. Depp's daughter. Yep. And they've been friends forever, and that's how he got to know Johnny Depp. And he's talking about how Johnny was saying how much he absolutely loves playing Guy Lapointe, and he's like, I, I want to do more. And Kevin's like, oh, just watch it. I'll, I'll you know, watch what you say, or I'll write another movie. And sure enough, he did, and so Johnny came back to play Guy Lapointe, and Guy Lapointe and would just call him, or he Kevin would call him, and he would just answer the phone and do the entire like three-minute monologue from like six months ago to him over the phone and just make him laugh. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so that that was uh, that was what you were saying about him being Jack Sparrow and really loving yeah. doing that character. Yeah, the same thing. He really loved doing this character. So that's interesting to hear that. That's funny. Well, and I think um, you know one of the other things that happens at, at, at Comic Con is that um, people in the industry get to meet as well. I mean, and a lot of them are fans, and also, oh, of course, I'm sure there's you know serious networking business going on but a lot of people who are fans of other people finally get to meet 
you know, who they mm-hmm. fangirl or fanboy about as well. So, um, uh, you know, that's that's the whole other level of it, it, it going on. People aren't just there to do their panels. They are also, you know, there to actually experience Comic-Con. And, you know, every year there's usually reports of some of the very big name stars being out on the exhibit floor either incognito or not i think robert downey jr's done it a couple of times and and brian cranston was there i think either this year or last year and so yeah um i uh, that that's is part of the excitement i have a terrible uh, affliction where i don't recognize famous people if they're standing in front of me and their face isn't on a television screen yeah. i have you know, I have fr- I have friends who can see someone at a hundred meters and go, "Oh my God, that's X," right. and um, uh, walking down the street. I'm lucky if I can recognise the people I'm living with at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and um, the whole area. Um, around the convention center which is the gas lamp district in in san diego which is basically a you know non-stop outside party for the uh for the convention all week and so any bar or, or restaurant you go into there is likely to be someone famous in there because they they all gotta eat um mm-hmm. and yeah i possibly sat I, I kept seeing people go i think you're famous and possibly not <laughs> but I was like <laughs> determined to try and spot someone this year, so right. um, I, I didn't randomly have any encounters like that. But it is oh. part of the excitement. So, um, uh, but it is weird when you you have. I had people from back home, you know, tweeting me, going, "Oh my god, you know, how was the Star Wars thing?" And I'm like, "It uh, wasn't there." What do you mean you weren't there? And I'm like, "Yeah, right. you can't be at everything." And, right. And, and but I that's what made headlines that day. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have been there. I mean, it, it sounded amazing. And but luckily, um, the intrepid reporter that you are, you were elsewhere getting the big, the other stories that everyone missed. <laughs> so where were you exactly? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mainly concentrated on TV show panels and comics. Um, hmm. Which is not really much good for this right. uh, podcast. Nor are you interested in them. Uh, I am actually. You don't actually. read comics, do you? Yes, I do. Yes. You do not. When was the last time you read a fucking comic book? Uh, yes, yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean before that though. Yeah, over the last three years, I've um, oh, yeah? I've always been a bit of a comics dilettante, so I didn't grow up being a big, you know, DC or Marvel. Okay, just take fan. it easy with the big words, okay? What? Oh, okay. Just take it um, easy with the big words. I'm fan. not a reader. Okay. <laughs> Um, but over the last few years, I've got back into, um, well, back into, into for the first time, reading more and more comics. So um, yeah. I, I, that was one of my uh, different experiences, was actually being at Comic-Con and, and, and being a comics fan. So hmm. um, uh, I went to, I think, about three, three or four panels on comics, and um, that was one of the main things I bought, because um, uh, particularly collected issues and that um and hardcovers are very expensive back here in australia with shipping and everything so um yeah i probably spent a couple hundred dollars on comics oh cool there you go well there you go (laughs) that's pretty nerdy of you it was very nerdy of me but i mainly did go to um to tv panels um I went to a couple of a sort of podcast-related things. Um, I went to the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Are you familiar with them? Mm, I'm familiar, but I, I'm not a fan necessarily. I don't really know. I don't really know them. 
Okay, so Thrilling Adventure Hour has been going for a decade and it's sort of, the nearest I can say is it's, if people know Welcome to Night Vale, think of something like that. And this is done in the style of sort of a 40s radio show. Uh, and it has had, uh, it's by Ben Blacker and Ben Acker who write it. It's been monthly for 10 years. Had a lot of very, very well-known actors on it um, over the time. And this was actually, they've actually wound it up now. They've gone on to work on something else and, and this was like their goodbye panel. Uh, for Supernatural fans, uh, the connection are that Richard Spate and Rob Benedict have appeared on it for the last couple of years and other people like uh, Tom, uh, uh, Timothy Oddmanson uh, and Richard and Rob were at Comic-Con and on the panel. So that, that was good uh, and interesting to, to be at. I, I'm not a... I, I've listened to a number of episodes. So I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself down as a hardcore fan. And I actually went to a recording of the Nerdist podcast with Chris Hardwick. Oh, cool. At um, a theatre in, uh, in San Diego called the Balboa. And got to see him <coughs> interview Tom Hiddleston, Guillermo del Toro, and Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Wow, very cool. And, that, and the, his podcast was quite a bit like ours, right? Um, yes, except he actually has guests who gotcha. star in, famous people who star in things. Um, but otherwise, exactly like ours. Yeah. Gotcha. I think we're, po- we're possibly funnier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was wonderful, uh, mainly because I've, I've been a Guillermo del Toro fan for many years and um, I think he's a creative genius and he behaved like a, a drunk 17 year old frat boy during the podcast and kept really uh, yeah he kept trolling Tom Hiddleston who was trying to trying to sort of be serious actor and, and answer questions sincerely and Guermo sort of kept poking him and, and teasing him and um, you know he'd be asked to, he's got a, a movie out which uh, coming out um, in October that uh, October November that um uh, Hiddleston's in called uh, Crimson Peak, uh, which is a gothic horror movie, which looks amazing. And uh, you know, asked about it, he kept he said to the audience, uh, "Well, I can promise it will have naked Hiddleston ass in it." <laughs> that was my Spanish accent, which is really bad. Um, but that was a delight. I mean, that's what you go to Comic Con for as well is to actually see famous people you idolise in the flesh. Oh, okay. Um, you idolise Tom Hiddleston? Sorry? You, you idolise Tom Hiddleston? No, Gwema del Toro and Maisie Williams particularly. Yes, she's lovely. Oh, oh, oh my God, she's hilarious. You even oh, cool. kept talking over Chris Hardwick, which is <laughs> hilarious and quite a feat, I have to say. No, she is. Very just, cool. She was a delight. Um, but we should get on to um, talk about some TV shows, I suppose. Excellent. What TV shows did you learn about? Uh, How about well, upcoming? What, about, what do we have for upcoming okay, shows so, that we may so not be aware of? New shows. New shows that are upcoming. The first one I went to was called Colony. Hmm. Um, Colony's going to be on the USA Network and created by Carlton Cuse, ex-Lost, uh, also currently doing Bates Motel, which I don't know if anyone's... Bates Motel, uh, but he was also involved in The Strain and The Returned, which of course was one of my favourite shows from um, uh, last season. And he's doing this series with someone called Ryan Condal, who I don't particularly know, but he and Ryan had worked on a pilot la- a year or two ago that hadn't got up. Um, now, one of the things that's interesting about going to panels like this at, uh, at Comic-Con is that you get a chance to hear more about a new show than you will once at 
you read the press about it where it'll be sort of all filtered down and you get to hear a bit more and what that's what really intrigued me about Colony um, and we saw a 20 minute um, excerpt from the pilot um, it uh, stars Josh Holloway uh, who people will know as Sawyer from Lost and Sarah Wayne Kellys who people will know from uh, <laughs> as the woman who always gets killed um, she was in Prison Break and also she was Laurie in The Walking Dead mm-hmm. so the idea of the, the, the show Colony is that Los Angeles has been colonised by something or someone which is not made explicit and they didn't say who it was. There was a lot of speculation that it was possibly Canadians um, <laughs> or, or aliens. Uh, and there's been a huge uh, wall erected uh, in uh, um, Los Angeles uh, and you have a situation where the, you know, the population is being controlled by this by this force and uh when this big wall was erected families were split and separated and and uh josh holloway and sarah wayne callis uh one of their three children is on the other side of the wall and so they want to try and rescue him that that doesn't sound particularly exciting but what, what the concept behind it was that carlton and ryan said they were inspired by a photo that they'd both seen um from the 40s from occupied Paris which showed uh, you know a typical sort of Parisian scene of, of, of people sitting at sidewalk cafes um, you know drinking red wine and talking philosophy and smoking as Parisians always do and then on the uh, right hand side of the the picture are you know Nazi stormtroopers going past and so they were it, it sparked off how do you live uh, in a situation of occupation um, how do you continue with the daily life, your daily life, going to work and school and all that, when you're being occupied by a mm-hmm. antagonistic force? And then more than that, how how do you deal with the decisions you have to make um, in that environment? The moral decisions around what you're going to do to survive and so how do some people end up as what you might think are collaborators and other people end up as part of a resistance um, and and then you know sort of everyone in between who are just trying to survive Um, so that actually that concept actually then sounded really interesting so that's the sort of themes they want to explore in this um, you know what will these these parents do to, in order to get their child back, will they end up, you know, possibly working with the colonising force? Um, Peter Jake's, Jake, Jacobson, who people will know as that <laughs> ferrety guy who usually pays evil people. Um, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's that guy. He's one of those people you know from a million things. He was probably most... Um, popularly known recently he was one of the leads in the series house um not a show i watched but he had a um uh, a lead role in that but he usually plays uh, um not good characters and he's he plays a character who's sort of collaborating with the colonizing forces um look it's good to see i always love big scale science fiction sort of stuff so this has got big sweeping uh, you know sort of shots of of la with this huge sort of 100 foot wall going across it um they described it as being a bit like a spy drama so it, it it's a it's coming from that genre as well so there'll be a lot of you know tense moments and trying to break into the blah blah to get the blah blah mm. um mm. and and i think that again that let me know 
uh, a bit about why I might want to watch this because I quite like spy dramas. Um, it's really hard to tell from a 20-minute, you know, clip, um, you know, if it's going to be my favourite series of the year or not, but it looked good. They did well at setting things up. It starts with a sort of a, a, a suburban, you know, backyard family playing and then starts pulling back from that and you see the fact that there's razor wire around the house and you know you start to get that sense that uh, not everything's normal in LA mm -hmm. some people would say you can never tell what's normal in LA um, so yeah uh, definitely so one that I think we should uh, look at it's uh, got a 10 episode first season uh, and I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be premiering um, later this year sometime Cool. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely one one to give it to give a look to. Uh, for people who are interested in these things, Josh Holloway does get his shirt off ten minutes into the pilot. So, a la Lost, uh, look forward to a bit of Josh Holloway abs. I would say. Mm, yum. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> um, now, a pilot I didn't actually go to, but I had. Sorry, what channel. what network was that with? Sorry. USA. USA, okay. <coughs> yeah. Uh, now, CW show by uh, Julie Pleck, who is known for the originals and Vampire Diaries, um, is, uh, again, in the sci-fi genre, a mysterious epidemic breaks out in Atlanta. And this is a new series uh, which will go to air um, mid-season, I think, uh, so end of this year, beginning of next year, called Containment. Actually based on a Belgian TV show. Um, and so it's about the outbreak of an epidemic. And again, it's about a quarantine zone being set up. So we have walls again. This is starting to be a bit of a bit of a theme. Um, mm -hmm. And so it will be about the people trying to contain this outbreak and the people affected by uh, this outbreak. Um, interesting because David Nutter directed the pilot. Uh, for those who don't know, David Nutter is uh, known as... Uh, sort of the go has the golden touch when it comes to pilots he's uh, just about he's got the highest strike rate i think of anyone in television of directing a successful pilot series um aside from that most recently he's been also doing some great work on game of thrones um friends who watched this said it was okay uh it didn't feel like anything particularly fresh um but, you know, they only saw the pilot. Hard to know how these things will uh, develop. Um, but, yeah, they, it hadn't set their world on fire. And they did say that there was a mantra repeated during the episode that you had to stay four to six feet away from anyone who might be infected. <coughs> and uh, apparently that's repeated so often that they were referring to the TV show as four to six feet. So probably not a good idea if people that's are mocking you after feet. the pilot. <laughs> Um, yeah. But, well, you know, again, uh, it, it's hard to know uh, based on a pilot. But, yeah, they, they were not... Um, didn't set their world on fire. Hmm, interesting. Um, a show that did have a huge presence at Comic-Con. It had its own little... So on the exhibit floor, um, there are actually, you know, uh, some really elaborate things that get built. So there's, like, little... Uh, I suppose dioramas, life-size dioramas you can walk into for various shows and, of course, a million giveaways and everything. And um, uh, one of the 
biggest ones was Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which is a horror sitcom based off uh, the Evil Dead um, movie franchise and actually starring um, Bruce Campbell along with the wonderful Lucy Lawless and it's on the Stars Network. So... <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's a good thing. It's, uh, it's ticking a few boxes for me there. Um... So I will certainly be giving that a watch and there was big buzz and lots of foam chainsaws at, um, <laughs> at, uh, at Comic-Con. Uh, Bruce Campbell is definitely someone who could carry this sort of show. Um, I'd watch anything that Lucy Lawless is in. And the sh- series is executive produced by uh, Bruce Campbell along with Sam Raimi and Rob Tappet who um, produced the first Evil Dead movie. So got a few good things lining up there. Um, for it to be a success. It's premiering uh, the end of October and uh, Mm -hmm. 10 episodes in the first season on our favourite network, Stars. Stars. That'll be interesting. I I would like to see that, I think. You know, it's something... It sounds really unique. It sounds like they're going to be doing something fun. Yes. Um, And Stars doesn't really spare much expense, so, you know, I don't think they're going to cheap out or anything like that. I, I have a feeling it'll probably be pretty good. I hope. Uh, Otherwise, so I, I don't know. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, want to lose faith in stars. Maybe. It could be. Possibly. Who knows? Yeah. Um, no, and it definitely... Look, uh, Bruce Campbell himself has um, a huge following. So, look, if anyone and if anyone can carry a show like that, he'll bring a big audience. And, um, yeah, I, I would certainly be um, tuning in for it. Mm-hmm. Um, now another new series that I uh, went to the panel for, um, which I actually did like, I felt a little bit interested and excited about, um, was Minority Report, which is a new series coming up on Fox. Uh, it's sort of a prequel. I don't know if, if you remember the um, uh, movie starring Tom Cruise from a number yeah, of, of years. Course. Yep, of course, which yeah. is based based on a Philip K. Pre murder. Yes, uh, based on a Philip K. Dick story. So this ser- series actually picks off al- up almost like uh, a sequel. So it's 15 years after the movie ended. And just for people who didn't see the movie, the idea is there are people in society who um, have abilities to see snippets of the future. Pre cogs. Um, <coughs> Pre cogs, and there becomes a. a a pre-crime unit set up so that they actually track down people who haven't committed a crime but whom the precogs have seen will commit a crime in the future um, which is sort of a little bit getting a bit closer to home than it was in 2002 in terms of no. um, people getting picked up for things that um, uh, or profile for things they haven't done rather than things they have done so this uh, at the end of that movie um everything had gone to shit because the precogs were being treated appallingly and the the pre-crime unit has been disbanded and the precogs have all been sent to live in the little house on the prairie somewhere because they are away from populations where they're picking up um, everyone's thoughts and feelings so it it 
picks up with uh, a couple of twins and a woman who are, are precogs and one of them um, decides to go back into society really uh, and to try and use his abilities and he comes to the attention of some uh, law enforcement officers um, who are frustrated themselves in, in trying to deal with with crime and so there's a bit of a them finding out who he is and what he's doing and obviously there are um, bad people out there who want to get these precogs to use for their own dastardly um, ends. Uh, really good looking um, show. Uh, unfortunately it did remind me a bit of a series that I really thought had potential uh, which didn't end up ended up getting cancelled by Fox, which was uh, Almost Human from a couple of years ago, also set uh, in a near future. Uh, so I hope, <coughs> excuse me, I hope it doesn't go that way. Um, it, this is set, again, it's set in the near future, 2065 in DC. Um, one thing I loved is that they're having a lot of fun with some of the world building and putting in little Easter eggs. Like there's a, a, a chase, police chase scene through some apartments and at one point they run past a um, someone watching a TV and on the TV it, it's announcing the debut of the 75th season of si The Simpsons. So um, there, there's lots of little Easter eggs about, you know, what the future could look like and little um, asides like that. So uh, I like that. It shows that they're actually not just going let's let's put flying cars in the background and um, and call it the future let's have a think about all those uh, those layers um there's uh three three i think uh, police people are sort of the main characters um and uh the three precogs were what we saw in the in the pilot or what we saw of the pilot um so yeah i was intrigued it looked good it'll obviously have sort of a um crime of the week where where dash the precog will probably be getting visions of a crime and and will either be trying to stop it or the police will and then there'll be the overarching mythology of um the use of the precogs and and who's who's trying to get them for their own ends so look Sounds like a good formula. The casting looked good. There wasn't anyone I knew, um, but uh, the, the the leads all felt good uh, in their roles. There was um, uh, I know I know you'll be interested in this, Ryan. So the the use of technology, which we often come uh, come up against in these things. So again, mm -hmm. you know how the actually most procedurals these days you know they always have the big uh, visual wall where they can move their hands and move all the images around from the computer and that um, they sort of take that one step further and the, um, the lead detective has a thing where when you're at a crime scene um, all the inputs from the CSI team and everything else get put into a, a database that in real time can then reconstruct things that happened. So mm -hmm. I was impressed again that there was actually some thought behind it, not just let's do a, a, a bit of, uh, you know, let's, let's do some VFX that look cool and futuristic. There was right. actually thought behind this is an extension of how a database might work and, and how it might be useful at a crime scene um, to be, you know, uh, to the detective. So, again, there seemed to have been some level of thought there rather than just, um, you know, what looks futuristic. Um, some diverse casting as well. So there's uh, two female leads uh, in the uh, law enforcement officers uh, and... Uh, 
uh, and a male lead and uh, quite diverse ethnicities there. Um, they had seemed to have reasonable chemistry uh, between them. Uh, it wasn't all dour and um, uh, dark. There was a bit of lightness in there as well. Although the whole thing did have a little bit of a noir feeling, I think. But um, anyway, it, 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 that was the one that I was probably most interested in. And of course, then you go, oh, it's on Fox. And you know, like almost human, it'll probably be cancelled in half a series and, and they'll play all the episodes out of order. But aside mm. from that... <laughs> Aside from that, it looked good. So um, I'll, I'll certainly look forward to you and I reviewing that um, again. Um, that's actually being filmed here as well in Vancouver. As as Almost Human was. In mm-hmm. fact, f- filmed in the apartment building I stayed at some of it uh, last season. I was terribly mm-hmm. excited. Um, yeah, so no, it looks... So, you know, we have Vancouver again as uh, Los Angeles. So a little bit of a... Thi- uh, no, DC in this case. Oh. Obviously, some VFX work will, work will be going on in the background there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were the uh, they were the new shows I can uh, report back on. Uh, returning shows uh, that I went to: uh, Falling Skies, which did we review Falling Skies way back at the beginning of our life, Ryan? Nope, never no. did. Okay, Falling Skies has been a summer series for the last did few... Did you watch Falling Skies? Yes. Oh. Uh, I'm a little bit behind at the moment. I haven't finished watching the last season, and this season coming up, uh, season five, will be the final season. Also filmed here, just in case you were Also wondering. filmed in uh, Vancouver. Yeah. I, uh, it's a TNT series. Uh, I think it's on Netflix, So, I, and I would recommend that people watch it. It's a really good sci-fi series set after an alien invasion of Earth. It delivers. It has aliens and giant robots. So, two thumbs up. Like, that's what I want in my sci-fi. And it's about a group of survivors who obviously form part of a resistance uh, uh, against the alien invasion, headed by Noah Wiley, who plays a former history professor who uses a lot of his knowledge of uh, the Civil War, that's sort of the hook at the very beginning, although that becomes less important as you go along, um, his knowledge of the Civil War to sort of he, he becomes the person people turn to, even though he's a teacher because he knows a lot of strategy and things that um, uh, the rest of the civilians don't know um, I've really enjoyed it, the ca- I think it's had a, a really good cast, it, it, it's an action show, it's got good sci-fi in it, um and uh, if you haven't watched it, so one of those things to line up on um, on Netflix because uh, it's 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 well done, good production values, um, lots of great casting in it, uh, both people you'll know and people you won't know. But um, I, I would really recommend it. It's coming into its last season, um, but definitely one if you want something to. Uh, go back and watch. It's been a, a fantastic summer series and I've really enjoyed it. Um, interestingly, on the panel, aside from uh, sort of all the, the, the... Well, he is a main actor on the show, I suppose, is an actor called Doug Jones. Now, mm-hmm. do you know who Doug Jones is? Yeah, I do. And I've just sort of learned in the last little while from Twitter that he's, um, he's one of the most popular in costume kind of characters, isn't he? Yes. Um, yes. He played... Um, 
Abe Sapien in uh, Hellboy. Yes. In, uh, the first one. Yes. He's a sort of... Yeah, talk about, you know, that guy, you know, the, the character actors that you sort of recognise, but uh, uh, you never know, quite remember who they are. You wouldn't know who Doug Jones is because he's usually covered head to toe in prosthetics. Um, he played one of the gentlemen uh, in the famous episode Hush of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in Hellboy 2. He was in Pan's Labyrinth. He was in Fantastic Four. Um, and it was interesting at the end of the, the panel uh, as the cast were talking about what their um, projects are going on to do, um, he probably had the biggest list of things that he's mm-hmm. um, he's got lined up or is doing at the moment. And, and all the cast spoke very highly. He plays an alien on the show. Um, a very tall, thin man, uh, but incredible, incredible actor because uh, uh, he does what everyone else does. But um, after sitting in, uh, having four hours worth of prosthetics put on, and uh, usually not his actual face uh, showing, so he has to act under a lot of prosthetic makeup. So um, again, really interesting uh, to get to. Uh, to, to, to see, I was going to say meet, but get to get to see and hear someone like that um, talked about and hear him talk about his um, his work. So don't give up those mime classes, people. That's where he's, Doug Jones started. They could lead somewhere. <laughs> Jeez, really, eh? Miming. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that he was. Uh, I was fascinated hearing him talk, and uh, and the fact that yeah, he is apparently, um, and he plays a ghost in Guillermo del Toro's uh, Crimson Peak, um, which I was excited about. So yeah, mm. um, th- that was good. And yeah, so catch the last season of Falling Skies. Um, what else did I go to? Doctor Who. So uh, Stephen Moffat, the showrunner for Doctor Who, was there with the new Doctor, Peter Capaldi, companion Jenna Coleman, companion on the show, that is, not in real life, uh, and Michelle Gomez, who plays uh, the female incarnation of the Master. Um, not a lot of teasers for the next series, although we did see a clip that has uh, had a little sneak peek at... Uh, some episodes, including Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, who people know as Arya, appears on Doctor Who, and there was uh, very tight-lipped about who she'll be, but um, there was a huge round of applause for her in Hall H, um, appearing on screen in Doctor Who. Cool, that's awesome. Um, Hannibal. I went to the Panable, as it was known, for Hannibal, uh, which was... A sort of a strange... I mean, it was strange in that, for those who don't know, Hannibal, uh, NBC recently, as in, like, three weeks ago, cancelled Hannibal in its... Um, it's half, currently halfway through its third season. So they'll be playing out the third season. They've just moved it to Saturday nights, and um, that will be the last season of Hannibal on NBC, although there's been a lot of talk about trying to find another uh, outlet for it. I would be feeling not particularly hopeful for that at the moment because it's been knocked back already by Netflix and Amazon. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know where it, if its life is uh, mm. will be extended. Um, and Brian Fuller, the showrunner, is moving on to do American Gods for... Um, ooh, is it Sci-Fi or Stars Network? I'm not quite sure. Um, so the Hannibal Panable was uh, a little bit sad. Uh, it, it, Hannibal has had a very, uh, and I know we reviewed it here, and I know Ryan absolutely hates it because he's wrong about things occasionally. Well, I just don't think we should glorify um, serial killers and ham- and cannibals. Why, why not? Because they're bad people. 
they're the scourge of our of our world. Why would we want to make them heroes? How many cannibals do you know? Hopefully, I don't know any, but maybe well, I know now go. some so that have watched the show, seeing as glorified, thinking, "Hey, I could be a very successful psychologist if I just started eating people up as dinner." But um, see, that's why we need representation. Maybe not all cannibals are bad people. Uh, let's just say they are and move on. <laughs> and if they don't like it, that's too bad. Look. Stop pushing your cannibal agenda for fuck's cannibals sake. Cannibals are people too. Uh, no. They're yes, monsters. They <laughs> no, they're monsters. <laughs> anyway, I love Hannibal. I think Hannibal's extraordinary. Of course extraordinary. you do. Of course you love monsters. <laughs> of course I do. I feel a kindred spirit there. Um, uh, and if, look, if... Hannibal is the first thing you've watched by uh, Brian Fuller. Please go back and watch um, Pushing Daisies and also Wonderfalls, his two previous mm. series. Pushing Daisies is very cool. Both of which are extraordinary. Um, mm-hmm. The man has uh, an incredible mind and, and, and a, I hate using the U word, but I'm going to say a unique way uterus. of making... Uterus. Oh. Uterus. Actually, if you watch this week's Hannibal, uterus <laughs> was a theme. <laughs> There was a pig giving birth to a human baby, but let's not go there. Um, he has an extraordinary mind and an extraordinary vision. It's some of the most um, beautiful television. Some of the, particularly this season, episodes have been like a really bizarre art film. Um, and that's possibly why the show is not hugely, hasn't had a huge audience, although it's had a very loyal and. Um, passionate uh, fandom and in contrast to the show which is incredibly dark and about cannibals um, the fandom is full of lightness and known for wearing flower crowns and and being particularly happy fandom (laughs) Um, anyway that was a wonderful panel I was very pleased to be there Um, Brian Fuller is a um, uh, has had wonderful interactions with fandoms very fond of fandom very supportive of fan creations um he didn't want to get off the stage um but they were uh, at the end of the panel i think he would have you know continued the party pity unlike star wars he hadn't organized a concert and uh, and fireworks for us but i'll forgive him that um they were previewing the second half of this season so this week's episode actually ended the first half of the season the second half of the season starts to intersect with the um uh, movie universe uh, for the Hannibal books, which uh, features the Tooth Fairy, um, uh, which is a, a, a character, um, the, the Tooth Fairy, yes, uh, that, um, and Red Dragon, the book The Red Dragon. Uh, Richard Armitage, who many people will know from uh, the um, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings slash um, Hobbit movies, uh, mm-hmm. plays the Tooth Fairy. Uh, we got to see an, a couple of clips from, or an extended trailer, really, for the second half of this series, which looks suitably dark, mm-hmm. um, and sees Hannibal back in in prison. Uh, finally, um, it looks wonderful. Again, uh, the the sound I can only call it a soundscape rather than music. Really, for the show is amazing. Um, again, it, it's it's a visual feast. This show, literally, <laughs> often as characters eat each other. Um, so it was a bit bittersweet to be part of, knowing that that will be. Uh, you know, it will be the end of the show, but uh, wonderful to see uh, it go out on on a high note in a, a packed mm-hmm. ballroom twenty uh, at Comic Con. Oh, cool! Uh, a couple of other things I saw that we don't watch: Grim, which apparently now has been going for like six years. Um, Jesus! <laughs> who knew? Mm. Um, 
Outlander, which you and I did review, uh, which is going into its second season, third season. I've lost count. Mm, third, uh, well, it's finishing the, the second, I think, yeah. Yeah, uh, is um, based on the series of books. And that was interesting because they actually had the author, Diane Gelbon, on the panel. Uh, and she'll mm-hmm. be writing a uh, an episode in the next season. That was an interesting panel uh, hosted by Christine Del Santos from Entertainment Weekly, which was actually turned into a drinking game. They actually had a bottle of very expensive oh, whiskey uh, from Scotland, obviously, uh, where the show is filmed, uh, and they played a drinking game on stage. So they were all having a great time. <laughs> Oh, weird. That's fun. So some some panels at at, at, uh, TV panels at Comic-Con can be a little like boring press conferences, and some of them can be drinking competitions. Yeah, why not? Um, I should go back to Colony, uh, the show we talked about uh, first up. They had big promotions on during Comic Con. Uh, you could you could uh, use the Colony code to book an Uber, and you'd get uh, a driver sort of decked out in in the uniform from Colony, and there were Colony cool. petty cabs. And then because it was sort of a mini Lost reunion, so Carl Cuse, as I said, who's the showrunner, and and uh, and Josh Holloway starring, when they went to the Q and A, so someone got up and asked a question, and and. The running joke is anything that Carlton Cuse or Damon Lindelof are at for the rest of their life, people will ask them about Lost. And so someone gets up and starts haranguing Carlton Cuse about Lost and the Lost finale. And um, it turned out to be Nesta Campbell. That's in poor form. Uh, (laughs) It turned out to be Nesta Campbell who played Richard Albert on Lost. And and as part of the shtick, he gets dragged off by these uniformed guards from Colony. So it... It, it, mm. it wasn't actually hilarious and it didn't work particularly well as, as a bit of shtick, but it was fun and uh, mm. he ended up coming on stage and um, it was it was sort of nice that they played with that whole um, <laughs> people are never going to let go of the lost finale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a nice little teaser. Um, the 100, another show that you have yet to discover the awesomeness of. Um, which has just finished its second season. That was a wonderful panel. Uh, all the cast there, lots of teasing about, um, or I should say, uh, small spoilers about where things may go next season. Um, uh, but, you know, look, that's a show that I've, I've really loved and been pimping out really hard. Uh, again, I don't think the second season's up on Netflix, but the first one is, and I've got a pretty, except for you, I've got a mm-hmm. 100% strike rate with people uh, watching it and getting into it. So, um it's uh, it's the Battlestar Galactica of this decade. Um, you just have to be open-minded and get okay. past the okay. first couple of episodes. The first um, couple of episodes of which season? <coughs> uh, season one, because I think people don't realise that th- there's an arc. So it th- th- literally is an arc, but um, there's... People look at it and go, oh, it's pretty CW-type people in, in some sort of pretend, mm-hmm. you know, apocalypse mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. That's part of the point, is that you have this very closeted uh, group of people who've survived an apocalypse and, 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 and lived this nice life up on a space station. And, you know, part of, the, part of the arc of the show is what happens when they get thro- they're back on Earth and they're thrown into the shit. And I think 
people seem to go in with preconceptions that, oh, it's, it's some sort of gossip girl, post-apocalypse teen drama. Um, it's not that. It, it, it's, it's, it's as dark as Battlestar Galactica ever was, as morally grey. The world building is in it is, is really, really good. Um, they've been good at not just dragging out bits of mythology. So each season's had sort of a this is what we're exploring this season and then we'll move on to a new thing next season. So it, it feels like it's progressing plot-wise, uh, even though it's very character-driven. Um, and I would definitely recommend everyone watch it. <coughs> All right, I'll try again. <laughs> uh, and the last show I wanted to talk about, which is timely given the Emmy nominations came out the other day and she finally got an Emmy nom, was I went to the Orphan Black Panel, which featured the wonderful Tatiana Maslany, who did finally get an Emmy nomination for her mm. extraordinary work. Yeah, um, no time. Good for her. That was one of my first, uh, and I didn't have many, but that was my first real chills, getting the chills moment at, um, at Comic-Con was... Um, uh, the cast come out on stage and then she walks out and the, the audience just rose as one in uh, um, giving her a standing ovation and um, wow. uh, she it, it was so it tells you how good her work is that it was so weird to have her there and then be thinking because uh, I sort of she in her normal day wear looks a bit like Sarah and I kept thinking yes but where's Alison where's Helena where's <laughs> um, and so they the, the cast obviously have a have a blast. I think they film in Toronto, don't they? They do, yeah. One of the few shows that film in Toronto that we'll give a pass to. Is that right, Ryan? Uh, that's correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they showed the um, some sizzle reels and stuff. The funniest thing was they, they'd cut um, some trailers from... Um, Orphan Black footage to look like other shows. So they had um, one that was cut to a sort of Friends type uh, sitcom, uh, looked like a sitcom. There was one mm. done to look like a t- telenovela, and one d- done to look like a horror movie called um, Sistra Sinestra. Um, and they mm. were they were all a lot of fun. You can find those um, find those online. Um, but yeah, that was again part of it was just be, uh, part of the excitement for me is just being part of you know paying tribute to a show that I really love being in an audience full of people who adore the show and, and getting to see the people who make the show and, and, and hear about um, some of the behind the scenes stuff some of the challenges um, and some of the fun they have making the show and Orphan Black has certainly been a, a wonderful show now Jules you've been around for a while are people getting more fanatical about shows than they used to or <coughs> Is there more of an outlet to show the fanaticism that's out there? Um, I think the big shift has probably been with the expansion of social media, and I'll, I'll take Twitter as an example, and Facebook, is that it's a lot easier for the casual viewer to intersect with the more uh, passionate, obsessive, fan art, fanfic writing, wiki running part of fandom. So those things used to be a lot more separate and mm-hmm. you could watch a show with no knowledge of the fact that Hannibal fans wore flower crowns or you know what supernatural fans got up to or that sort of thing whereas that's people will know that a lot more these days I think and be able to intersect with it in some way as well um, so th- there's also you know that other side is that the corporations have realised that uh, you know 
people will buy merchandise. So you can have uh, 10 uh, orphan black pop vinyl figures that people will pay mm-hmm. money for. You can have a Brian Fuller pop vinyl doll. Um, can we? Th- um, is it possible that we can stop with these pop vinyl dolls? Yeah, pr- they're probably about that point now. I, I just think, think they're dumb. I don't <laughs> get them. I think they're dumb. They're really bad. They're cheap. They don't. They're not particularly well made or, or a lot of thought put into them. They're just thrown together, and people just love them. Uh, they're an easy collectible, I suppose, and they do yeah. look really creepy when yeah. you've got a dozen of them lined up with their big blank staring eyes. Um, and there's but a lot dolls, of though. You know what I mean? Dolls. But people have been people in fandom have been collecting figures, dolls, whatever for years. That's never going away. Mm-hmm. I can certainly tell you from, from Comic-Con, the lines for Lego, you know, Lego Stormtroopers and Hasbro character things and everything else was, you know, people like collecting shit. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's part, part of being a fan is wanting the things that, you know, manifest your love for that thing. Mm-hmm. Um and there are, you know, there are more crossovers now. Like a lot of the shows I saw also have comics series based on them. So there's an Orphan Black comic. There's Doctor Who comics. Obviously, that Doctor Who's probably one of the forerunners of having spin-off medias. There's the, mm-hmm. the, the Big Finish audiobook series. There's mm-hmm. so uh, that again means that people uh, can easily be part of that sort of broader. Fan, it's easier to intersect with the fandom um, these days. So I don't know whether you could say people are more or less passionate or, or whatever about their shows or the um, what they consume, but I think that intersection is um, is wider nowadays. And you know, you could say things like you know, um, you know, a lot of the the Marvel and DC movies as well have taken. Uh, those things out into a broader broader audience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, Comic Con shows no signs of slowing down. There will be eternal arguments over, you know, what it should be, what it should be like. Has it become co-opted by Hollywood as a marketing tool? Uh, is there enough space for comics? Um, there's a lot that goes on at Comic Con that never gets reported in the media. There were probably six seven panels i went to that you're never going to read about um anywhere else uh people aren't going to report on them and they're amazing they're really great panels and they're awesome would you like to report on them (laughs) Uh, just briefly well i was actually on a panel called um fandom is my fandom which was looking at the intersection between the corporations that run uh platforms that host fandoms like wattpad and tumblr uh copyright and legal issues around fandom um, and and being a fan. Um, I went to one called The Gay Agenda in Horror, which actually featured a number of people who'd been actors or writers on some of the seminal horror movies of the 70s, the, the Friday the 13th franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street and all that, and what it had been like being gay in that environment. Um, also looking at why queer people in particular we often love horror uh, and what how, how the industry has changed over time. There was one I went to on comic books which was looking at the portrayals of mental illness in comics but mm. also the use of comics in therapy um, which had the um, very famous uh, comics writer Gail Simone was involved in that. <coughs> um, 
so and I went to another uh, number of other panels like that. So there's a lot of smaller panels um, you can go to. But you'll never there was hear one about. You'll never hear about. There was uh, John mm-hmm. Lewis, who's a very famous civil rights activist uh, in the U.S., who was involved in the the Sel- very famous Selma march in the '60s. Mm-hmm. He's just published a series of comics. Uh, telling the history of the civil rights movement in the 60s. And he was there speaking. And I found out from that that um, Martin Luther King wrote a comic that apparently was really important in getting the message of civil rights out uh, to a broad audience in the 60s. Mm. Who knew Martin Luther King wrote a comic? Um, so there's a lot of that goes on that isn't going to make the main media websites or be reported on. But there's a lot of those dialogues and, and discussions and, and focus on on all authors, whether they're from comics or books or podcasts or that, um, and discussing the things that people care about in these um, in these media as well going on. And, and often, one, you don't have to queue for five hours to get into mm-hmm. them, and mm-hmm. you're in a small room with these people, and often mm-hmm. famous people, if, if that, you know, Gail Simone's a, a someone I... Re- oh, sorry, my dog's got home. Mm. I've got to, I'll be back in the tick. Sorry about that. No worries. Is it good to see your puppy again? Oh, it's so good to see my puppy. She looks very <laughs> happy and very good. Hey, hey, I missed you. I bought her a Star Wars, Star Wars chew toy. Oh, cute. <laughs> uh, let's get back to where I was. Um, so yes, there's 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 so much to see and do at Comic Con. I think, as as I said at the outset, it is a bit of the Sophie's choice of a geekdom, but I would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for anyone who loves movies, TV, comics, uh, and hanging out with other nerds, it is an amazing mm-hmm. time. There's so much happens off-site at the convention now. You could actually go without a ticket to the convention and still have a wonderful time. One of our friends wow. did that for a couple of days mm-hmm. uh, because there's Nerd HQ uh, run by Zach Levy. Mm-hmm. There's the Nerdist have a space, Geek and Sundry, um, and there's you know parties and other events on all around town. Uh, mm-hmm. that are geek-related all week. So I will be back there next year. Oh, that sounds like fun. Maybe I should go with you. You should come, Ryan. That would be fun, wouldn't it? It would be. It really is. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I had a, a, an amazing time, and I was lucky to... We had a great apartment literally over the road from the convention center which helped (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. because even despite that i walked over 70 kilometers in four days oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) so if you're coming to comic-con start training now (laughs) yes is that what you did did you really get on quite a regime to to get into shape there uh yes i not i wouldn't say quite a regime you've met me but uh-huh. I was consciously walking more in the in the six months going up to Comic-Con because that's what you're going to be doing. I mean, luckily it's flat, um, mm-hmm. but even, you know, you're either standing up because, well, you can sit down when you queue, but just the length of the convention centre is, is huge, let alone walking mm-hmm. to and from your accommodation. The, the traffic's horrific, so, you know, there's, most of the time there's no point in getting a, a cab or an Uber um, anywhere there are pedicabs but you know really it's it's quicker to walk but it's just a lot of walking (laughs) (laughs) so uh, and then you add on top of that um a little bit of partying as well um there's i I was pleased i got as much sleep as i did but let me tell you um the days after after it i was 
wiped out. <laughs> it took me <laughs> took me three days in LA to actually you know sort of start to start to recover. So I'll be starting my Comic Con fitness regime as of maybe tomorrow. Now you're going to have to start getting your liver in in shape for next what two months from now when you come. Six to weeks, Vancouver? I will be. Six weeks time, I will be in Vancouver. Six weeks. Shit, I better finish my movie, hey. Uh, you better finish your movie, and um, I, I even bought an outfit to wear to the premiere. So oh, very cool. That should be great. <laughs> Can't wait to I see your outfit. Wash, I will even wash my socks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, looking forward to that. That's for the Supernatural Convention and generally uh, catching up with awesome people in Vancouver. And you. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. Can't wait. I, I hope I have some uh, time to you. visit. You better. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back uh, reviewing shows that are on your television uh, in our next uh, episode. I think we're going to talk a sensate and a new show, which I didn't talk about, which premiered uh, or showed at uh, Comic-Con, which is Ryan. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Now, uh, I know we'll get into it next week, but this is going to be your favorite new show of the season. You're going to be mad that you didn't watch it before, and you're going to say, Ryan, you were so right. You're just always so right on point. It's only right had like three point. episodes so far. So I Four. Can't... Oh, okay. Uh, I guarantee you within the first 15 minutes, you'll realize this is your favorite show of the year. This is the, this is the uh, uh, true detective. This is the Fargo of this season. Wow. And you did nothing at the SDCC. I said, go and see their panel. No, nothing. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, I, I look forward to uh, hanging my head in shame and going, damn, I wish I had have gone to that panel. <laughs> you can watch it online if you're so inclined. And uh, <laughs> it was okay. It wasn't a great panel. Show's way better. But thank you, everyone, for um, listening to us drone on and on and on. Jules, welcome back. Welcome back to Australia. Thanks uh, for going to mo- Comic Con and thanks for reporting back. That's really nice of you. <laughs> uh, my pleasure, Ryan. We'll uh, talk TV again soon. Are there any pictures of the party you threw, by the way? Mm, yeah, I'll see if I can dig some out for you. Awesome. That'd be great to see them. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jules. We'll talk next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.